0: Welcome to The Expressionists, the fortnightly podcast where I, Helen Rydstrand, and I, Olivia Rosenman, we expose the private parts of common speech. Today it is all about the cock. Yes, thanks to a listener's suggestion, we will be investigating a few phrases that feature cocks. That's roosters, of course. What were you thinking? (laughs) To stand attention, Olivia, (laughs) (laughs) I hear you have a cock and bull story for us today. I do, Helen.
1: What does that bring to your mind, a cock and bull
0: story? It actually makes me think of pubs. Is that the right thing to think of? That's very interesting. Perhaps you've heard the story. Uh, I haven't heard the story, but there are pubs that are called that, right? I mean, the other thing that it makes me think of, of course, is genitalia. Right. Was that the answer you expected?
1: No, I, I honestly wanted to know what you thought, because you're right, it does sound like the name of a pub.
0: I feel like there are lots, like the three weeds, the rose and the thistles,
1: yeah. I think that there's a trend for old English pubs to have sort of bucolic names. We'll come back to that. First, for the benefit of our listeners who aren't aware of the meaning, a cock and bull story is an implausible story used as an explanation or excuse. So it's related to bullshit. Indirectly, yes and no. Okay. I'll give you an example. When we asked him about his background, he gave us a cock and bull story about being from a royal bloodline and having spent his childhood in palaces. So it's often collocated with giving or telling okay. a cock and bull story.
0: But what do cocks or bulls have to do with tall stories like this?
1: Well, that's a good question, Helen. And I think that question illustrates to our listeners that this is, in fact, an idiom. Its meaning is not deducible from the meaning of the words. Mm-hmm. And did you know, interestingly, that the same idea is expressed in other languages without any cocks or any bulls or even any farm animals
0: inside? I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, I suppose every language has got to have a phrase about people who are um, good storytellers, shall we say? <laughs> That's true.
1: So in French, those good storytellers are people who sleep standing up. Oh, cool. So you would say he, for example, he tried to swindle you with his stories of sleeping standing up. Huh. So it's often stories of sleeping standing up. In Spanish,
0: um, it's a Chinese story. Oh my gosh. I don't know what to say about that. Has it got something to do with like Chinese whispers?
1: It may well do, but Chinese whispers is a similar thing, right? It's a story changing I mean, as it, it passes from one to another. So it's an unreliable story, I suppose, in Mm -hmm, that way. mm -hmm. I don't know why the poor Chinese got singled out. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense.
0: Maybe because China's far away? Like if it's a story that's come from China? I would love to think that it it was that innocent. because it's Well, no, and, and then it's because it's exotic and like Chinese are inscrutable and all that sort of bullshit. Yeah, all that sort of cock and bull. Cock and bull. You might say. You might say that. So where does the English version come from, cock and bull? Well,
1: Helen, I'm going to tell you... A story. I love a story. Imagine a cobblestone road in Stony Stratford, which is a town in England, northwest of London. The road is now called, not so romantically, the A5. <laughs> but in fact, that A5 runs along what is a very old road that crosses the country and was called Watling Street, huh. and it was originally paved by the Romans. So,
0: along- it lead to Rome?
1: <laughs> All roads do, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> Alongside this road in Stony Stratford sat two coaching inns, mm. the places that stagecoaches would stop to rest and refuel and I guess the precursor to a pub, really.
0: Yes, so you could stay in an inn, you could also get a meal and feed your horses, all those things. Absolutely.
1: The other thing that you could get was alcohol and mm-hmm. lots of it. So these two coaching inns on either side of the road, one was called, can you guess? Cock. And the other... Bull. The cock and the bull on opposite sides of the road. Huh. And in fact, if you go to Google Maps and you zoom in to Stony Stratford, they are still there. Amazing. Amazing. The story goes that travellers' tales would often become embellished as they passed from inn to inn, mm-hmm. especially considering the heavy drinking that was done.
0: Right. Your stories do get better as you get drunker, that's for sure.
1: Now, unfortunately, seems that this story might be a bit of a cock and bull story.
0: Oh, I I mean, that's great. That seems appropriate.
1: Yeah. Uh, There is no evidence to support that. And certainly it is not the origin story that is told in the Oxford Dictionary of Etymology.
0: Oh, okay. Does it tell a different story?
1: So, according to the Oxford Dictionary of Etymology, it actually comes from French and it's a reference to a French fable mm-hmm. from the 17th century. And the French term was coq Alain, which was translated in a very early French English dictionary written by Randall Cotgrave in mm-hmm. 1611. And in Randall Cotgrave's Dictionary, this phrase, cock a which literally means from the rooster to the ass.
0: You mean like a donkey?
1: That's right. Uh-huh. It was translated in this dictionary as meaning an incoherent story passing from one subject to another. Somewhere along the line, this turns from a rooster and a donkey to a cock and a bull. Okay. Not apparent where. There's no official word on that, so I would like to suggest my own official story about how that happened. Considering that this French saying dates back or was first translated into English around 1611, uh-huh. the high time of coach travel, in the sense of old day coaches, mm-hmm. was in around, what, the 171800s. 1800s? Yeah, I guess so. So let's say that some drunk dude at the cock or the bull just sort of mixed it up in his head and made a malifor. What do you reckon?
0: Oh uh, yeah. Hang on. Did you say malaphor?
1: You bet your top dollar I did, Helen.
0: Hang on. My
1: top dollar? <laughs> that's right. I did just make a malaphor to make an example. Yes. So a malaphor is when someone mixes two metaphors. So very common ones are it's not rocket surgery. Oh yes. Every cloud has a silver spoon in its mouth. Cute. You can't teach a leopard new spots <laughs> or
0: until the cows come home to roost. So that's the origin. What about since then? Is it used very often? Does it appear in pop culture at all?
1: It does, in fact, make some very notable appearances in pop culture. The very first one in 1759. In fact, can I call something from 1759 pop culture,
0: Helen? (laughs) I'm glad you asked. Yes, you can. Um, Obviously, it's not necessarily part of our pop culture. It depends really how pop it is. All right. Well, I think that this counts.
1: A Cock and Bull Story is in fact the very last line of Lawrence Stern's novel that was published in 1759, The Life and Opinions of Tristram Shandy, Gentleman. Are you familiar with that?
0: I have to confess to not having read it, but I have long wanted to. Mm. It's meant to be a very hilarious and kind of like proto-postmodern novel, actually.
1: Indeed, yes. It is a nine-volume fictional autobiography of a man called Tristram Shandy. And it is very non-linear. He plays a lot with typography, with punctuation, multiple typefaces. Also, the narrative is constantly interrupted by Mm -hmm. musings on scientific and philosophical matters. All in all, a very humorous book. A good read. I'd recommend it. In the final paragraph of the book, Shandy's mother says, what is all this story about? And Yorick, who is an impulsive parson, responds (laughs) A cock and a bull, said Yorick, and one of the best of its kind I ever heard. (laughs) So in fact, it is extremely notable because many people have actually written papers about this ending and whether or not Stern actually finished the book. So some think that this line just doesn't wrap up the book at all and there must have been something else that didn't quite get written down.
0: All right. It does seem also a bit like the kind of book which would just end like that, right? It was constantly being interrupted, all that sort of thing. It, at a meta level, it fits with the type of text that it is. True, true. What about, I mean, that's, as we said, maybe not so pop right now. Uh, anything else a bit more recent? Yes. So, Will Self, who
1: is a British novelist, journalist and political commentator.
0: He gets around. He wrote
1: a book in 1992 called Cock and Bull, and that book comprised two novellas. The first one, unsurprisingly, was called Cock, and I'll just tell you a little bit about what happens in that novella. A woman grows a penis and then uses it to rape her tedious alcoholic husband and his patronising evangelical mentor from Alcoholics Anonymous.
0: Holy shit.
1: Yes, the Bull novella is no less confronting. A sensitive rugby player, come writer for a small magazine, grows a vagina behind his knee. Do you uh, want to read that as much as you want to read Tristram Shandy?
0: No. In fact, I find it hard to really get behind this whole concept. I mean, I'd like to read a bit more about it before I go and actually read it myself. Wise. What about just in common usage, Like, you know, is it the kind of phrase that people will use down at the pub still these days?
1: Well, if you consider down at the pub Twitter, which is where I looked, yeah, people do use it. I would just like to congratulate John Blue, who said on Twitter on May 31st, just had some delicious chicken and beef stir fry. Of course, it's just a cock and bull story. Great. Pretty funny. What a guy. Next time you have a dish that includes both chicken and beef.
0: Not just that often in my life, but whip it out. Maybe I'll
1: try to. They don't go so well together, do they?
0: They go fine. I mean, there's just no reason <laughs> to have them
1: both. <laughs> and also recently, the Rajasthan High Court actually recommended that cow be declared the national animal of India because currently it's the Bengal tiger. And India also has a national bird, and that bird is the peacock. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of discussion happening on Twitter about the peacock and bull story.
0: Oh great. Well great story Olivia. I think in a way it's appropriate though that it's not entirely resolved that there's a lot of kind of loose ends in that story. Absolutely. A few question marks around it. So I have a question. Olivia would you say that you are the cock of the walk? No I don't really know what this means. No? Not a saying I'm familiar with. New one to you? Oh Mm -hmm. that's great. So I can tell you what it means luckily. The Oxford English Dictionary explains it as a person whose supremacy within a certain circle or coterie is undisputed. But even just cock, it turns out, can pretty much mean this, or it used to be able to mean that. Because these days it means something quite different if you it, call someone a cock. It does, yeah. You, it's not a nice thing to say, but you, you could have been saying it in the past to mean uh, leader or head or chief man Uh, ruling spirit, (laughs) formerly also the victor, right? So you're the cock if you won a battle or a game or something, I suppose.
1: I assume that 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 is a reference to cockfighting.
0: Yes, it is, which we'll come to. But Cock can also just mean the best in general. So, like, things can be the cock too. And so there's a very early example of this from a Renaissance play by Nicholas Udall, who was a playwright, a translator, and schoolmaster. And We've referenced Nicholas yeah, Udall before. That guy comes up uh, quite a bit in the land of idioms. And I think he'll he'll just keep popping up every now and then. He wrote the first known English comedy, which is called Ralph royster Doister quite delightfully. So that's an aside, that's just about Nicholas. But he, in his translation of an Erasmus text, there is this sentence that ends, and it was cock. The best that might be cast uh, is about a dice game. So if you throw a six, that's cock.
1: Isn't that weird? It's also interesting to me that the word cock could then go on Mm -hmm. to mean a part of a male's genitalia. Because do you think that maybe the first guy who did it was like, yeah, this thing is the best in the world. And that's why?
0: Uh, yeah, I see mm. what you're saying. Yes, mm-hmm. that's, I mean, that that's pretty plausible, I think. Yeah, um, I think it also has connections to the bird, like the male bird, like a resplendent kind of triumphant symbol of masculinity. There's apparently also a phrase, you can be the cock of the school. So like the leader... The ringleader in games and fighting and stuff. Makes me think of, you know, those old public boys schools in England, like Eton's and things like that, cock of the school. So that's a little bit about the meaning just of cock, of the cock of the walk and cock in general. That's- All right.
1: So this is how it used to be used, mm-hmm. but how do people use it these days?
0: Yeah. So the place that I found a, a good definition of this, the way that I would use it or that I would kind of expect people to use it now. Urban Dictionary says it's used sarcastically to make fun of someone who thinks that they're the shit for doing something totally lame. It's an urban <laughs> dictionary. <laughs> it's an easy way to call them a dick. Most likely they will think that it is a compliment because they're obviously a moron. So they have a great example. Person one, I almost picked up some chick last night. Person two, well, aren't you the cock of the walk? So I think this sarcastic usage is surely the main one now. And the example, I think, is cool because it makes it clear how much this is about traditional masculinity, right? So bragging, sex appeal, all kind of bravado.
1: It's also cool because there's a double chicken element.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's a nice touch. And there's that kind of cavalier attitudes towards women thing too. So yes, it isn't exactly about penises, though of course it is. It's about roosters, uh, so specifically the ancient and very manly tradition of cockfighting, as you guessed, Olive. According to the Oxford Dictionary of English Idioms, the places in which cocks were bred for fighting were known as walks, and only one cock could be kept in each walk. They wouldn't be happy with having any other birds in its space. They would fight them, which is, it sounds Quite a bit like bulls, actually, right? You can only really keep one bull per field, I think, because they fight each other. That makes sense. Yeah,
1: it's a a dude thing. These days, chickens are kept in places where they can't walk at all.
0: Yeah, but only the girls. (laughs) (laughs) So it first appears as an idiom in 1823 revised edition of Gross's Classical Dictionary of the Vulgar Tongue, which defines it as the leading man in any society or body, the best boxer in a village or district. And if you will tolerate a little aside, Olivia, about Francis Gross's classical dictionary of the vulgar tongue, which had been originally published in 1785, and it was a dictionary, an early dictionary of slang. And Gross is a fascinating guy. He was one of the first lexicographers to collect slang words from all corners of society, so not just from criminals, which had been done before in things like the canting academy, cant being an older word for jargon or trendy slang. Apparently, Gross was a very fat man, and he enjoyed the pun that you can make about this and his name, Gross being in the French sense, meaning large, Um, and also, I suppose, quite great because he made a dictionary of vulgarities, and Gross can also mean rough or coarse. So that's pretty good instance of nominative determinism, I think. Absolutely. And wonderfully, Gross and his assistant, a guy called Tom Cocking, oh. would walk around London in the middle of the night doing slang fieldwork. So they picked up slang words and phrases in slums, drinking dens and dockyards.
1: Isn't that fantastic? What a job. Right. OK, so we're getting off track now, though, Helen. cockfighting is ancient, you say.
0: Yes, it's actually amazingly old and a global tradition. I might be getting a bit carried away again with background history here, but humour me, will you? Keep it brief. I can't promise that. Okay, so according to a guy called Andrew Lawler, who wrote a book a few years ago called Why Did the Chicken Cross the World? The Epic Saga of the Bird That Powers Civilization," Big claim there. Cockfighting might be the reason for the ubiquity of chickens around the world. Apparently... Thousands of years ago, some research suggests that chickens were kept not for eggs or for meat, but for fighting. And it might have been part originally of a religious ritual, as it is, he says, in northern Thailand and in Bali. But obviously it has become a much more secular pursuit these days and between then. So the earliest recorded cockfight is in China, in Confucius's home province in 1517 BCE. Do
1: you know which province is Confucius' home province? Lu. Yes, well, Lu is the ancient name for Shandong. I've been to his house, in a place called Chufu.
0: And there is also evidence of the practice further west around the same time, Lola says. Uh, Apparently, excavators found a small seal, like, you know, that you use to seal a letter, from the period with a rooster in fighting stance on it. Um, And that was found in a tomb near Jerusalem.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, in a way, Helen, I'm not surprised, because many things in the world originate in China. Oh, yeah? Like what? Like gunpowder... Mm-hmm. Noodles, pizza, according to one Chinese man I met. Yeah, pizza? Yeah, he told me that a steamed bun was basically what Marco Polo tried to recreate when he went back to Italy
0: and he couldn't quite get it to stick together. <laughs> that sounds a bit of a cock and ball story. I mean, it's a good one. Somewhere between China and England, where it also has quite a long history, cockfighting. The first reference to it in the Oxford English Dictionary is about 1450 cockfighting became the most prominent blood sport for men of all classes to gather together and gamble and marvel at the masculine prowess of another species. So in my research, I came across this great image in the British Library's collection, which they've got online, which is from, I think, about 1803, something like that. It's the scene of a cockfight and there's, you know, there's the roosters in the middle doing their thing and behind them, I guess, are the owners of those roosters. And they're kind of like shadowing them in this great way, like the roosters are them and they're really kind of embodied in the roosters. There's this kind of sense that that they're connected. You know, the rooster's victory is their victory. So yes, by the 18th century in England, it was well entrenched as a properly masculine pastime. The cocks would be equipped with uh, spurs, which are like little spikes or knives on their feet, uh, to make the fight more dangerous and exciting, I suppose, for the spectators. And this is one of the probable origins of the phrase to be well-heeled, as in wealthy, which is an American phrase and came into usage or is at least recorded first around 1870. Although this origin is actually contested because obviously, you know, if you've got money, you can keep your shoes well-heeled as well, right? Like you can keep them in good nick.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Makes the fights more exciting, but more bloody.
0: I think your dies if it doesn't win. Oh. I'm not sure. That's a shame. Yeah. And in this case, it definitely is death. There was also something called cock-throwing, apparently, in England, uh, which it sounds like happened mainly at Shrovetide festivals around England. So just before Lent, they'd have a bit of a party. And it's a game a bit like the pinata, except that the cock was alive and tied to a stick. Oh, (laughs) You'd, like, put on a blindfold and be given a stick or something.
1: And this was the way you celebrated the coming of the religious festival of Lent. hmm Yep.
0: Interesting. just some good, clean fun.
1: So do people still cockfight
0: now? They do, yes. Although in Western countries, of course, it's uh, more generally frowned on. In the 19th century, cockfighting in England and in America started to be seen as a vice just because of the gambling, though. It wasn't really about the welfare of the cocks. But also slowly it became more about animal cruelty and things changed slowly And until 2007 when Louisiana in America was the last state to have banned it. I mean, that's quite late, though. 2007. 2007, 10 years ago. But it is still okay, apparently, in the Philippines. And Lawler says that U.S. farmers do actually export their chooks to the Philippines, probably for this purpose. Mm. Uh, So there's, you know, a bit of a question mark over that. Manila apparently hosts something called the World Slasher Cup each year in an arena that fits 20,000 people.
1: Wow. Yeah. It's
0: intense.
1: <laughs> so is the phrase around much these days? Because as I said, I certainly wasn't very familiar with it.
0: Yes, it is. I had heard it. I mean, I don't think people use it all that often, but uh, it's it's got a sort of archaic sense about it, doesn't it?
1: Mm, yeah, it sounds a bit old-fashioned.
0: Yeah, but I, for one, am learning that people love to use idioms as their business names. We certainly found that with Takes the Cake. Yes, people sadly like to use that for their cake shop. I found there's a Bespoke Tailors in the UK. Their website includes many photos of very serious and dapper-looking gentlemen. Even better, there seems to be a chain of restaurants by this name in the US who serve catfish and hush puppies. Catfish is delicious. I just want to read what they've written on their website. A little bit of free press for the Cock of the Walk restaurants. They first opened in 1977 on the bank of the old mighty muddy Mississippi River in Natchez, Mississippi. They chose the name Cock of the Walk because it signified the best of the best. Apparently, they say, in the early 1800s, many of the nation's commerce took place on riverboat, transporting goods such as cotton and tobacco. Folklore has it that the brawny, bawdy bunch of men that manned these boats would fight to see who got to man the rudder, which is the easiest job on these boats. Whoever came out on top was called the cock of the walk, the ruler of the roost and the best of the best.
1: It's a good story, even if it is a bit of cock and bull.
0: (laughs) And they claim that uh, when they opened, catfish restaurants were a dime a dozen, especially in Mississippi. But this one turned out to be the cock of the walk right from the start. So did you find any good hits
1: on Twitter, Helen?
0: I found one, interesting one. Apparently, Piers Morgan, who's this uh, British journo uh, who is the American editor at large for the Mail Online? His family saying, apparently, is one day you're the cock of the walk, the next a feather duster. <laughs> I Whoa. like that. So that's a nice proverb to uh, finish up that one on, but there are quite a lot of other cock related idioms out there, aren't there? Go off half
1: cocked or to go off at half cock.
0: Is that about roosters also? Interestingly, no. This
1: is another cock expression that doesn't have anything to do with roosters.
0: Oh, huh. so it's about penises then, I guess.
1: No, it's not about penises. It's about guns. uh uh-huh. First of all, do you know what it
0: means? To go and try and do something before you're properly ready. That's precisely right. Only partly ready or poorly prepared. Yes.
1: You certainly didn't go off half-cocked on that one. The cock is a part of a gun that you raise when you're preparing it to be fired. Half-cock is a position, which is exactly what it sounds like, where the cock is halfway raised. And keeping a gun half-cocked was a safety measure. However, it wasn't very effective. Half-cocked guns were apt to fire when it was not intended that they do so. Mm So this goes back to the 17th century. The first recorded usage of this in English is in 1650 in a translated work, an account of the 1647 revolution in Naples, in which they rebelled against the Spanish and formed the Neapolitan Republic, which sounds like a glorious place because you'd think the palace would be made of pizza. Oh, I was actually
0: thinking of Neapolitan ice cream.
1: (laughs) But sadly, that republic only lasted a year. That's where it first appears as a reference to guns, and it continues to be used that way throughout the 18th century. Then at some point in the 18th century, half-cocked becomes slang for drunk. Oh, yeah. So this appears in a gentleman's magazine in 1770, meaning drunk, and in 1888 in Australia, it was used in a novel by F. Hume, and the novel was called Madame Midas, and that was set in the goldfields of Ballarat. Oh, cool. So we've got that drunk meaning diversion temporarily. And then in 1832, it seems to make this figurative leap and it appears then in the record of a debate in Congress, uh, he would then be cocked and primed for his report.
0: In America, is it? That's right, in the US.
1: So the next year, it also appeared in another Congress debate. Some congressman from Rhode Island says, I regret that the gentleman from Maryland has gone off half-cocked. So very much in the figurative sense then, not relating to a gun.
0: So I think that we're pretty much fully cocked now. Uh, Should we wrap it up for today?
1: Yeah, I don't know about you, Helen, but I'm all cocked out. (laughs) (laughs) That's it from us for now. Thanks for listening. We don't release this podcast once in a blue moon, but rather every fortnight. And so make sure you've subscribed to the podcast and if you like the show, we'd be tickled pink if you left us a review in your podcasting app. We really would. Drop us a line on Facebook or Twitter and let us know the expressions you'd like us to investigate. Our handle is at xpodcast, that's EXPodcast. Or you can seek us out at our website, expressionists.org. Catch you next time.
0: Bye. You're right now. <laughs> <laughs> more cock, more ball. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on.